Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app right now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. All right, what is going on, everybody? How are you doing? Welcome to the Milestone 400th episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. You can find me on Twitter at, what's my Twitter? At Pat Moran Tweets? Yes. All right, it's at Pat Moran Tweets. That's where you can find me. <laughs> You've heard them already. This is a uh, it's a holiday week, the second of two back-to-back holiday weeks. And I decided I'm going to have Joe Yurden on for both. And we're going to knock off two episodes here and one taping. What is different than this from all the other times I've had Joe on with me? And I always love having Joe on, of course. We've done shows in person before. Oh, yeah. We've done shows at Casey's. We did show uh, Essex Street Pub before. Yep. So, you know, we're no stranger to hooking up together and doing a podcast in person. But what's different here as opposed to our weekly Zencaster taping like we do for Casual Friday every week. I actually have Joe with me here in my home. My right. home little, little makeshift home studio here in West Seneca. Cool to have you, man. Good it's, to see you in person. Nice. Thank you for inviting me to the house to do this. It's nice to be, you know, actually in the studio because anytime I see you here, like on when we're recording over the internet, I just see the background, your head in the background. So I don't even know like what kind of dimensions <laughs> you're working with here or like what the setup is. But no, this is great. This is being able to change any room into like a makeshift studio is pretty cool. And that's me being a radio dork <laughs> just being like wow this is cool man everybody else would be like what the hell's this guy doing Come i'm on. gonna tell you right now joe i'm not even lying this is the god's honest truth one of the decisions i made once i knew that i was coming back to buffalo mm-hmm. in the summer i absolutely even though it wasn't necessary and quite frankly probably caused a, a little family confrontation I was completely insistent on having a, a spare bedroom, a third bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of course, we got our room, and then my son Shane, he's got his room. So we, I wanted a third room strictly for this reason. Now I also work from home, like my regular daytime job. I'm using air quotes here, which I really don't <laughs> do. I, I, I do what I got to do. Put it that way. But anyway, I wanted to have a, a home studio, man. I, I just think it's really cool. I spent a lot of time in here. Mm-hmm. It's not a big room. But you don't need a big room. No. Sometimes, and for the purpose of podcasting, and I know you know this, and radio people, broadcast people know this, sometimes bigger is not better. You get big echoey rooms yeah. and, you know, you got to put more stuff up. You got to treat them differently. And uh, the sound isn't, it could be kind of like, you hear a lot of reverb and an echo. So I kind of like these small, quaint rooms. And, you know, you got a couple panels up and uh, it's comfortable. It's cozy. But anyway, I'm very glad to to have you here. I can't say you're the first person who I've done a podcast with here. You're the first person that I planned ahead of time <laughs> to do a podcast with. If you've been listening to the show for a while, folks, um, I had Chris Trapasso on. We did an episode of Finer Wings Club, and that was supposed to be at Macy's Place Pizzeria. And that lasted about two and a half minutes before my idiot self spilled soda on the uh, portable little recorder I had that kind of 
instantly fried it. Mm-hmm. So we ended up, you know, saying, shit, man, what are we going to do? We ended up coming back here <laughs> with no pre-planning and, and, you know, we knocked it off here. But uh, anyway, so let me ask you an important question before okay. we dive into anything else. Did you enjoy my world famous shredded chicken? It it was damn good. I had two sandwiches <laughs> worth, so it was it was certainly worth. Man, doing shredded chicken is really tricky, and like you know, shredded chicken or or like pulled chicken, like people do for barbecue, like pulled pork. Yeah. It, it can be no, no. I mean like pulled chicken. Oh, like doing the same thing but with chicken, like that. It's a pain in the ass to do that, and you pulled it off nice. It's it, it was very worth eating, and like I plowed through. Those sandwiches. Were I way I shred the shit out of them though. They're like a, they're all, they're like a, a better. They're a different. They're the chicken version of a sloppy joes, man. Fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> I have no issue with that. Look, man, I can't cook for shit. All right, I'm I'm, I'm sitting there bragging and, and joking about world famous shredded chicken. The truth is, I can't cook. I have relied on like I don't even know how to use this. I know how to use a stove, but I don't know how to cook. Mm-hmm. But what I do know how to do is use an air fryer. So I make chicken fingers in there i put hot dogs in there because they're kind of if you put salmon's hot dogs in a good air fryer mm-hmm. they're about 80 percent as good of having them on the grill wow not quite but close to it but anyway turkey burgers stuff like that i used the air fryer for and then i bought an instapot a couple months ago and that's been that's been the game changer for me man because quite literally you put some chicken broth in you put the chicken in you set it to a timer and you turn it off <laughs> and it's done. It does all the work for you. Wow. Then I take a blender mm-hmm. and I shred the shit out of it. And then I take credit like I did something uh, <laughs> really creative. <laughs> I, I, you know, listen, you can take all the credit you want because it still tasted good. And that's that's what counts the most. So, yeah, <laughs> pat yourself on the back. We or, are, you know, it, it, people don't need to know how it's made. You can just be like, wow, man, I really... I really works hard over this. I'm exposing myself. That's a bad habit that I have on this show. You you don't have to. You don't have to tell everybody how the sausage is made, or you know how the how the pulled chicken's made. You don't (laughs) don't have to tell them that. You can just be like, man, it's secret recipe. I can't do anything about this. You know, I I can't tell you anything. It's it's mine, and let (laughs) them figure it out. So everyone listening, so today we're dropping this. We're taping both of these Tuesday night. You're hearing this. Hopefully, you're hearing this Wednesday again. This is the 400th episode of Talking Buffalo podcast. I'm. Really excited about that. And then tomorrow, again, if you're listening Wednesday, I'm talking about Thursday, we're going to have another episode. We're not going to do casual Friday because Friday's New Year's Eve. We talked about this yeah. last week, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve. Just Nobody wants to listen. Nobody wants to listen to that shit. Not on New Year's Eve. But anyway, we're going to drop the episode on Thursday. So that's why you're hearing us today. And again, you'll hear us on uh, Thursday. But yeah, man, 400 episodes. Been at this for a while now, close to... To four years, you know, I looked on Apple on Apple Podcasts. The catalog only goes back three hundred episodes, mm-hmm. so I couldn't even find the first hundred. Oh man! At, le- at least on Apple. And by the way, obviously, uh, you know, you've been on this part away. I'm Tom Hanks more than show. anyone else. So as I uh, as I start my thank yous for you know being able to do four hundred of these, which is still fun. Um, obviously, first and foremost, everyone who listens. But beyond that, man, you, you know, you you've been a uh, You've been my steady rock now pretty much since the beginning, but especially this year mm-hmm. since, you know, mid-May, we've done this pretty yeah. much every uh, single week. So I want to make sure I thank you for that. And also I got to, uh, slightly lesser, but still important, two guys, Aaron Quinn and, and Joe from Queens, man. I, I love those guys because I've had a lot of stuff going on this year and mm-hmm. some of it's public, some of it not so much, but I haven't had the last four or five months, the time to really put into this that I want to, and that I plan on doing starting to go forward from now. But 
those are two guys that, you know, I could really call on at any time and, and, and they're always reliable. And then, you know, very good friends of the podcast, like Matt Marino and, and Nate Gary and Sal Capaccio, uh, Anthony Marino, that whole Buffalo Rumblings crew, they've been very good to me, but, uh, it's been a lot of fun to do 400 of these. It's been a lot of fun to do our casual Friday with mm. you. It's kind of, it's like a vibe in a way, you know what I mean? It's, it's it's a lot of fun to do, and it's more than just sports. We bullshit around. We we do a, a f- I think it's very fun. A lot of people on Twitter think it's fun now. Yeah, the starting five draft that we do. I think this really caught on. Yeah, a lot more interactions now. Usually they're more negative towards me. <laughs> you kind of earned it. I have earned it, and we're gonna talk. By the way, we'll spend a lot of time tomorrow's episode talking about the starting five draft. Well, I'll 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 tell people what we're gonna do. We're gonna draft Van Halen songs tomorrow. But we're also going to recap some of the ones that we've done. Starting before. fives of the year. The starting fives of the year. And we've done, let's just say we've done 29 of them. And on the whole, it has not worked out very uh, favorably for me. No. No, no it has not. But hey, you know, because you're here, by the way, I kept the Christmas vibe going a little bit longer. I, I noticed that coming in. It's it's very filled with Yulta. I was surprised there wasn't a movie playing, honestly, <laughs> because you've been, been cranking through the movies a lot. But you had the... Uh, it wasn't like the Yule log fire. It was just the you know beautiful little you know tree on there with the you know, the whole background. You still got the tree in the window. Yeah, everything's you know Christmas songs are playing and everything. I was like, wow, it's nice. It's vibey. I I kept it just for you. I'm not even bullshitting you. I literally kept it just for you because I'm going to be <laughs> honest with you. Again, we're taping this Tuesday night. It's well into Tuesday night. People are uh, hopefully going to hear this Wednesday. But whether they do or not hear it Wednesday, you know what's going to be not or what will be happening on Wednesday. My house is gonna look normal again because <laughs> I'm telling you now. I'm getting up in the morning. Christmas is over. <laughs> Christmas is over. When do you think is an appropriate time to to take down Christmas decorations? I think you can do it. You can take them down after the first. You think, think they should be up to the first? I, I most people. I mean, do. it's it's your call. But I, if it's still up, like if I go to somebody's house for a, for a New Year's party, it's still up. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I'm not gonna bust their ass about. Jeez, take this stuff down. Like. <laughs> Now I will say it if they've had it up since October. Like if they if they start putting that stuff up like right you know right at the end of Halloween, then there's immediately like playing like the you know like the shopping yeah. stores, yeah, where you know they've already got the new holiday stuff out the, the the second the other holiday's over with. I'll bust their chops nonstop about it. It's like you got to take that down the second Christmas is over. Like I mean, twelve oh one a.m. on the twenty sixth, it's all got to come down because <laughs> you've had it up for two months. When That's does w- when does Christmas season start for you? Like when does when does a Joe Yurden Christmas season start and end? Now, we established that it ends after New Year's. When should Christmas season start? I had a really good debate with Aaron Quinn on this a couple months ago. For me, it starts December 1st. I know uh, for everybody, it's usually Black Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I need Thanksgiving to breathe a little bit. <laughs> like I've, I've worked in retail enough to do enough Black Fridays to be like, man... To hell with Christmas. I like Black Friday is the worst day possible to, to to work in retail because everybody's crazy, everybody's extremely demanding, and you have to work like the worst shift possible. Because if you're working morning time, you might be working at five a.m. going into the store instead of like you know a nine a.m. open and doing a five a.m. open. You're just like, man, screw this. Like I don't. Nobody needs this. You don't. You don't need this crap right now. Like the sales aren't even that good. Just go home, like please. I agree with almost everything you said. I do agree that Christmas season should end New Year's, January second. Whatever, mm-hmm. a couple, a day or two after New Year's is fine. I'm just, I'm over it. You know what I mean? I'm just eager to, to put my house back together. Yeah. I also agree with. I think Christmas season should start 
the day after Thanksgiving, not before Thanksgiving. And no. this is where Aaron and Quinn and I, Aaron Quinn and I had beef on the podcast. He said Christmas starts for him December or November first. No, I'm like no fucking shot. Absolutely no, no shot because and his reason he was in 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 fairness. There's a lot of Christmas movies out there, and he says he needs that whole extra month to be able to get through all the Christmas movies. No. I just watched literally 25 Christmas movies for the first time. (laughs) First of all, I did it in two weeks. And secondly, a lot of them weren't that good. Yeah. So you don't That's what I mean. You're spending two months watching Christmas movies. Like 75 to 80% (laughs) of them are absolutely awful. Yeah. And I did. There were some good ones, but not enough that you need to start on- on November first. No way. No, no, no way. Like and like the disrespect to Thanksgiving. I can't stand for that. That like I know some people just hate on Thanksgiving and not me. I man. love it. I, it's my it's one of my favorite holidays because it's it's not stressful in a normal situation, you know, non pandemic, non craziness in life thing. Like it's it's a it's a peaceful day. You're eating a big, great dinner. Sure. You're you're hanging with family or friends or both, and it's a nice day. You know, it just there's football on, like you know, from noon until you know, friggin' midnight, basically. Now, don't set you back three months financially. No. Sometimes, like no. Christmas can often do to people. Absolutely not. So, like, it's it's so relaxing. And then, like, you get like the you know, even if you're a crazy person, you get up in the morning for the for the Macy's parade. Like, okay, cool. Like, whatever. Start the day off with giant balloons and then end it with you know the Cowboys getting their tails kicked or something like that. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a really solid day. Like that's, I, 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 it's impossible to dislike Thanksgiving people that do. I'm just like, man, you're crazy. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I'm upset that we don't do the Canadian Thanksgiving and do it a month earlier because man, that's, that's friggin' great. <laughs> do it in October. Hell yeah. Let's do that. Let's do both. I think we might've just given a, if we ever have, and I'm sure we will down the road, we never had a holiday draft. We've done 29 Starting five drafts. We? we have not done a holiday draft. We did the month draft. We did a month draft. We haven't done a holiday draft, but from mm. what I gather, just from this little conversation we're having right now, it might be a little bit of a spoiler, but I think <laughs> Thanksgiving might be the number one overall pick for, for either of us. It's certainly going to be in the discussion, that's yeah, for sure. I'm a, I'm a big Thanksgiving it's fan, a, it's too, a to- for it's all a the top reasons top two holiday. Said. Yeah. I love it, man. And and again, I, I love Christmas. I do love Christmas, too. I was very excited to be home this year for Christmas because I've been in Florida for the last five. And I've said this a few times. Florida's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Cosmetically, it looks awesome at Christmas time. I mean, mm-hmm. they light up the palm trees. It's, but I felt like it was like in a, a phony Hallmark movie scene. You know, I needed to be home to feel being cold. If nothing else, it does make Christmas feel authentic. Now there was this was not a white Christmas. No. This was a a wet Christmas, a kind of shitty Christmas. Cold rainy regards. Christmas sucks. Which is funny because your hair tape we're taping this late Tuesday night, and now it's well, a couple days late, and it's nice steady snow. It looks yeah, actually looks really good outside, man. It reminded me why I don't like driving at night in the snow, especially <laughs> when the flakes are fat. And you're just like, oh my god, I, the, the, my headlights are bouncing off the flakes. I can't see anything. Great. <laughs> One last thing I wanted to talk about. Then we'll probably, I guess, get into some. Buffalo sports. So I suppose that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do that, I guess. But uh, I was showing you around the house, a couple things and something I got from Christmas, which I'm kind of excited about was my daughter. And I tweeted about this on on Tuesday afternoon. My daughter bought me, which I had no idea was coming a, a record player. Mm -hmm. I have not touched a record. I have not put a record on a record player and played it probably since I was 
God, man, I'm giving a lot of fucking shit away here, but probably, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years old. I'm going back into the mid eighties. Um, it's, it's been a long time. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people out there collect records and it's, I've always thought it's really cool. Yeah. It's a cool hobby. Just, and we talked about this a little bit over delicious, um, shredded chicken sandwiches, yes. but you know, it's got, it's a hobby along the lines of like say sports card collectors or just, mm -hmm. you know, whatever hobbyists, whatever things you're doing. Uh, I never thought of it. And I have one now, and she also bought me three albums to get started, which was uh, the Queen, uh, Greatest Hits from Queen's a double album, uh, Motown number one hits double album, and Prince's Purple Ring, which is one of my favorite albums of all time. And I was talking to you about this again over dinner. If I want to listen to a playlist, a bunch of songs, you know, you got Spotify. If you have a party yeah. over and you got stuff. But there's just something different about listening to records. On Christmas Day, uh, my wife left to go do some stuff. My, my son was tired. He went to take a nap. My, my daughter left with her boyfriend to go to his house. And I found myself, I found myself uh, alone in the house at the dining room table. And I just put on records and it just, it was a, it wasn't so much about the music, although the phonograph sound is different and mm -hmm. it, it feels really authentic. And I like that, but it's just a vibe, man. It kind of, I closed my eyes and it took me back and I felt like I was a teenager again. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, Sometimes when you have a hobby like that, and I could see it already without really having any kind of collection to uh, to go off of, but it, it feels very vibey to me and it brings back a lot of memories. And I suppose in some regards, that alone is what it's kind of all about when it comes to listening to music. Yeah, I um, the record players were kind of on the way out. Like when I was, you know, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, whatever, like record players were just starting to fade out and cassettes had taken over. Mine too. Pretty hard. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, and there yeah. were, for some reason, there were a lot of eight tracks in my house. Like my parents had, you know, a ton of eight tracks. And then the basement, there was a record player with an eight track player in it. And it was just like, mm -hmm. me, me and my sister looking at this thing, going, what the hell is this? Like, you look at these tapes and you're just like, well, then, well, well I don't get it. Like, what do you do with these? And um, <laughs> so like, I, mi I missed a lot of the record stuff. So, but like at, over time and like working at radio stations and stuff, like I ended up acquiring records just because. You know, it just, it just ends up happening. And, you know, as I got older and like vinyl became more of a thing now, I was like, well, I got all these Zeppelin albums. Like I literally have every Zeppelin studio album. Wow. Like it's, it, I don't know how I came to acquire all of them, but I just did. Um, so I was just like, well, I need something to play these on. I got to hear what these sound like in vinyl. Like I've heard them on CD. I've heard them on digital. Like, you know, it's fine. Like it's not, they sound great. Like they're, they're great, but they're people who are audiophiles that say, no, there's something different about vinyl. And I was like, yeah, 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 sure, whatever, please. It's they're they're hundred percent right. <laughs> like you listen listening to listening to like cashmere, you know, like just like listening to it on Spotify or whatever, you're just kinda like, wow, it's a great song. But then you hear it as it was originally made, you know, the original mastering, you hear it on a record and you get the little pops and whatever, and you hear it and there's a different depth to it. Sure. And I, and I don't know if that's just my my brain playing tricks on me or whatever, but it's just, it's a different thing. I agree. So that whole vibe thing you're talking about, I completely get, but also it's just like you get, you know, the thundering of John Bonham playing the drums is a whole different thing on vinyl to me. So you would say remastered songs, they're not always, they're not always what they're cracked up to be. Sometimes they are. But not always. Sometimes yeah. you'd rather just hear that original version, even if it's not digitally remastered and it's fancy yeah. sounding. Yeah, you know, because a lot of the times a remastering just means they took it and they boosted the volume on it, which mm -hmm. that's not, you're not remastering shit. 
like that you're just cranking the volume on it so it doesn't sound as quiet as it did when it was originally made which i mean is goofy I don't, I don't, you're not, you're not remastering garbage, but then there's other bands where I've heard they've remastered some of their older albums and it sounds worse. Like, um, a few of Megadeth's early, you know, earlier albums, they remaster those for, you know, Dave Mustaine's a crazy person. And he was just like, oh, I'm going to remaster these. Like, okay, Dave, sure. And then he did it and it sounds way worse, like infinitely worse. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is, this is horrible. And then like he recorded, he re-recorded some of his vocals and everything. You're just like, oh my God, dude, like put it away like just, just leave it as it is man like you, when you get all george lucas with your music and you start changing shit around let's just forget it no pointless i could uh i could sit here and say that i'm going to be you know responsible and only casual with record purchases and you know i'm not going to get a lot of records but i already could tell it's going to become an expensive mm-hmm. addictive hobby and i'm probably going to spend more money than i can yeah. afford i i i i told you when we were talking before i limit myself very hard because I've got a slightly addictive personality and I'm too. A collector mindset and more than slightly. I've, for me. I, yeah. I've, I've really broken a lot of my old bad collector habits because I was just spending money stupidly on just dumb stuff. Basically not necessarily dumb stuff, but just, I didn't need it, but I was just like, I've, I gotta have it. I gotta complete the set. I gotta do this. Like horrible, horrible thing to do. So with vinyl, I was like, I'm only, I'm not going to buy anything I already own. Like either like in CD or digital, I just, I'm not doing that. Uh, nothing modern and only stuff that like when it was originally made came out on, came out on vinyl back in the day. So if I buy it old, then it's great. But if I buy it new and they're just kind of like, nope, this is the way it was when we put it out X number of years ago, it's great. And, and if it is something new, it's gotta be a certain kind of music. Like it's gotta be blues or it's gotta be jazz or something like, you know, maybe a funk album or something like that. Like just something where it's like the vinyl fits the, the, fits the mode of the music where I, you know, I don't need a heavy metal album on vinyl. I don't, I, I just don't. Right. You know, uh, you know, an old classic rock album, if it's not been remastered, great. Cool. Like if, you know, if I don't haven't owned it before, perfect. But anything new, like I get it. Bands got to make their money and vinyl is a great way to do it because everybody's an audiophile and they want to get the vinyl and they want to play it on that. But like dropping 40, 50 bucks for an album now, like no way, man. I don't think so. You know, I, by the way, I'm really glad as we get into a break here before we talk some Bills and Sabres, I'm glad you said that too, because I don't want to make myself sound too goddamn old. I was listening to records as a kid, but I was also, you know, it was getting to the point where cassettes were becoming more popular. I would say mm-hmm. going back to my teenage years, I had a shitload of cassettes and very few actual vinyl records. Most of the records I played were my father's because he forced my ass to grow up listening to his bullshit, shitty 70s music. You know what I mean? I, Wait, I, I which, couldn't stand which, it. which I still remember, you know what's funny? That song Freak Out, the Chic or whatever. Oh, yeah. I remember that stupid goddamn record. I remember the Monkees record. I'm looking, I'm, see, this is what I'm talking about with the record player, though. It's mm-hmm. bringing back a lot of memories and vibes, and I love that. But yeah, I, uh, Simon and Garfunkel records, which, you know, to be fair, I really do like Simon and Garfunkel mm-hmm. to this day. There's a lot of terrible fucking records that my yeah. father had. That I found myself listening to because, again, cassettes weren't really that popular yet. They didn't take off. And then, of course, you had the cassettes where you made your own. You yeah. know, you'd sit by the radio mm-hmm. and, and and make your own. But, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited about having that. I'm, again, I'm sure it's going to turn into a, an expensive hobby, but whatever. Anyway, let's take a real quick break. We'll come back. I want to talk some Sabres. It's been a while since they played. A lot of stuff going on. A lot mm-hmm. of interesting stuff going on. Of course, that's fluid and get changed yeah. by the hour. So, We'll hit on that. Plenty more. Be right back after this quick break. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, I'm back with Joe Yurden, episode 400 of Talking Buffalo Podcast. Of course, Joe Yurden is now on episode three of Maintenance Day with Lance Lazowski. We'll, we'll spend a lot of time on we, we got some catching up to do. Yeah, we'll, we're definitely going to spend some time on tomorrow's episode talking about that podcast. Of course, a good one and lots of fun. Um, you know, holiday week, exciting always, but it's been a pretty exciting week with Buffalo sports. And you know what? Let's start Sabres. Mm-hmm. And let me preface this. Again, we're taping this late Tuesday. If you follow the team or you just follow hockey or sports period right now, and you know that, God damn, man, you could say something. We could say something at the nine o'clock hour tonight on Tuesday. And by 11 a.m., everything could be changed. Games could be canceled. Mm-hmm. Guys, well, we know no one's coming off COVID who's currently on it, but there might be three or four guys that go on it. There might not be a game for all we know. Mm-hmm. But as we tape this right now, the Sabres had four straight games postponed. Um, Columbus, Colorado at home, at Columbus, and then at the Islanders. They haven't played since December 17th. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an o- overtime loss at Pittsburgh, and they were playing pretty well before the pause. Yeah. Um, two, two, oh, and two in their last four. Mm-hmm. Again, before COVID and, and also holiday stoppage. Uh, they were scheduled to have three games in four nights. Technically, as we're talking right now, they do coming off this break. So mm-hmm. they're playing tonight against New Jersey. Uh, Thursday, they're scheduled to play at the Islanders, mm-hmm. but the Islanders already Islanders. have a game postponed tonight, Wednesday yeah. night, right? Yeah, against Detroit. Yeah, and then Saturday, they're scheduled to play New Year's Day at uh, at Boston. Before yeah. we talk about... And they've had a game already postponed in Montreal on January 8th. Yeah, because, that's right. Because Canada's, Canada's got their own rules yeah, Canada's that, they're, not that, messing they're, around, that they're sticking to, which... Yeah. Let's not get into that. Let's, <laughs> let's not we got, we kind of talked over dinner tonight. We were like, let's try to not, not talk get into about COVID. COVID as much as possible. Although, look, man, it's literally impossible. Five players as of this taping for the Sabres mm-hmm. have COVID. They're all asymptomatic, too. That's worth pointing yep. out. Uh, Skinner, Vinny Hanestroza, mm-hmm. 
Zegmas, Gergensons, Dylan Cousins, and, mm-hmm. and Mark Jankowski, and Don Granado, the yep. head coach. Jesus, what a mess, man. Um, before we talk about that, and then some new exciting developments, if you're looking for a reason to be excited about watching the Sabres, if you weren't already, I think Wednesday night's game, assuming there is one tonight, mm-hmm. we'll give you that. But before that, talk a little bit about before the break, because again, we haven't really talked hockey here in a couple of weeks on the podcast. Two on two in their last four. What 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 did you think of this team going uh, before they stopped? I think they were things were coming around a bit because they've they've finally got some goaltending. Uh, Uka Pekalukin was playing very solid. Mm-hmm. You know, he's given up I think literally two goals per game, uh, which compared to Arundel and some of these other guys, ver- they were very bad. So that's good. Malcolm Subban played a great game in his his first game uh, for Buffalo. So he he looked really solid. So Things maybe have normalized a little bit in goal as a, as opposed to the you know the sieve like performances they were getting before, where you know they're giving up five six goals a game and you know they have no like even if they score four goals a game they have no shot of winning right so uh, you know the offense has been okay uh, they've been able to find ways to score you know it's different guys it seems like every night like you know they they were without Tage Thompson I think the last. I want to say the last game, maybe I, he was he was banged up. I don't know if he didn't miss a game. It's been like two weeks since they played. I've forgotten. I forgot what I did yesterday for crying out loud. So <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, so I mean, you know, but like you know, Thompson was a little bit banged up. Um, you know, so they were. You know, this. I mean, there's there's issues. You know, there's just you know stuff that happens in a hockey season. But uh, but things have picked up a little bit in the on the positive side. Like there's. They're still not doing very well in the standings, which, hey, fine, whatever. You know, I, you deal with it. But the play's been better. The goaltending's been better. The defense is a little bit, you know, a little bit sturdier, I guess. Um, but they, uh, but things have kind of mellowed out. We'll see where, the, you know, once they get playing again, we'll see where they're at and how it, how it works, especially now that they've got a handful of new faces here to, to help out with the COVID, uh, the guys out, of, out with COVID. So, um, but I'm really, it's really encouraging to see they're still not in a, you know, people started talking like, oh man, maybe they could get a shot at a playoff spot. Like, no, that, that, no, right. No, they're not doing that. Like they're not going to, their whole plan is to develop. Like that's the, the, the big thing they've hammered on since Kevin Adams was hired was we're going to develop and develop correctly. So they're not going to blow up their development plan to try to make a push at a playoff spot that they probably don't have much of a shot at getting in the first place. So it's good to see that they're playing better and they're playing, you know, more consistent hockey. That's great. Um, just don't hang your hat on the wins. Hang your hang your hat on how they play the games and how well they're correcting mistakes. How much you know? How much they're performing? You know, better than they should. You know, as long as they're not making mistakes and playing poorly and winning, you live with it. Like that's fine. Let's talk about. Um, hmm. All right. So the guys who are on COVID, and, and for the record, I don't care if it's. Uh, and nobody, in regard in regards to like the rest of the team, like a Mark Jankowski. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see anyone have COVID. I don't want to see right. anybody that 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 sucks. Okay, it sucks for all these guys. Right. It especially sucks for in terms of the on ice product for for Skinner, Gerdeson, and, and Cousins right mm-hmm. now. But the the positive from this is, and again, as a Sabres fan, this is very exciting to me, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's very exciting to a lot of fans out there because of COVID and because. They've had to call up players. Uh, J.J. Paterka mm-hmm. got called up. Peyton Krebs is called up. Of course, Krebs is the 
the centerpiece of the Jack Eichel trade or one mm-hmm. of the two centerpieces of the Jack Eichel trade. Paterka is a guy that Adams moved up for in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our two uh, Russellanian, which mm-hmm. we kind of talked about. I remember that last week when yeah. we talked about a couple guys who I thought were not flops, but a little bit disappointing. And, mm-hmm. you know, anyway, we talked about him pretty much at length last week. But anyway, those guys are up. Plus, Alex Tuck is scheduled to make his debut mm-hmm. Wednesday night tonight. If you're listening to Wednesday again. So there's a lot of exciting new blood going in. Before we even talk about these guys coming up, and by the way, it's worth noting Quinn and Mono. Yeah. So he's been out. You had to think he probably would have gotten yes. the call up too. I 100%. Which would, yeah. So that would have been really cool. So would that, have been a lot of hype. Yes. Like there's hype now. There's a lot of There'd hype now. There would be a lot of hype. Yeah. Let's start here for for people who I'm sure are wondering. I know I'm wondering too. Guys like Paterka and Krebs, let's just start with them too. Is it pretty much a lock that these are very temporary call-ups where they're just going to get, you know, they're going to wet their whistle a little bit. But as soon as these guys come off COVID, those are going to be two guys who pretty much are locks to get go back down to Rochester. Yes. Um, and that's not their fault. Like that's not, that's not a knock on them or anything like that, but they've earned the opportunity to come up uh, to do this because they... The thing they could do is call up veteran guys and just be like, hey, you know, we're going to keep these guys down there and keep them playing. At some point, you got to throw them a carrot and or throw them a bone, whatever, whatever, whatever cliche you want to <laughs> use. You got to throw them something to be like, hey, you've worked really hard. You've done really well. So you like this. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, if they're up for the whole season, I don't know if I like that as much. Um, I mean, we'll see. Like, I mean, if they perform in a way that you have to keep them up, then you know, so be it. Uh, I still don't think they want want that to happen. I think they would love to see them perform in a way that's like it makes their de- their decisions harder. Mm-hmm. But I I think the plan right now is just like okay, we've got some guys out. You've earned your opportunity to get a couple of games here. Play them, do that, but you're going back to Rochester. Like that's totally fine. That's totally okay. Fans are gonna want these guys to stay up, and even Krebs. I mean, can make an argument that Krebs should stay up. I mean, he's, he's, he has some NHL experience, you know, with Vegas, he, you know, got a handful of games with Vegas. Granted, it was a situation where Vegas had a lot of guys out hurt and they were just kind of like, all right, I guess we got to call this guy up. He's playing really well in Henderson. Like we get, we got to bring him up. It's kind of the same thing that's happened here. Like they don't necessarily want to bring him up, especially because he's really new to the system and the new, new to the team and everything, but he's got the experience and he's, he's performed well. He's performed really well in Rochester already. So it's worth it to bring him up to give him give him a taste, give him some games. A reward? Yeah, it's absolutely a reward because if you're calling up other guys that necessarily haven't performed as well or haven't scored as much and you're bringing them up and you're just telling these guys like, hey, just bide your time. At some point, it's, it becomes a defeating thing for those guys because it's just like, what the hell else I got to do? Like, I mean, Quinn's, I feel bad for Quinn that he's got mono and the way it was described by Kevin Adams, he's, he's lost a lot of weight from having mono the last couple of weeks. That's horrible. So he's got to get back into game shape. He's got to get, you know, he's got to get stronger. He's got to, you know, the whole thing. Mono stinks because it knocked, basically knocked you out for a month. Yeah. And you can it, make an argument, by the way, that he was probably, if healthy, he was probably the most deserving of absolutely. these guys who got called up. Absolutely. And I, and honestly, if he was healthy, the call-ups are probably, it's probably Rutzelainen, Krebs, and Quinn. Because I think they would have kept Paterka down. And mm-hmm. I, know, I know the big idea would have been like, Paterka, Krebs, and Quinn bring them all up together. Like that's the big idea, and maybe they would have done that. I think that's certainly possible, but I think that would have been too much at one, like too much hype at once for the you know for all those guys. But I mean, again, like it, it's not like they haven't earned that opportunity. They have. Um, 
but I don't think you want this to be a permanent move. Now, if they force their hand and sit, you know, they play in a way that's just kind of like, oh crap, maybe we do got to keep these guys up, you know, and th- then you've got, then you're forced to make some other decisions with your roster, which, you know, with guys that are out, you know, that come back and you got to you know, swap guys in and out and figure out what you're doing there. Like, I don't know that you're going to do that kind of upheaval in the middle of, in the middle of a season, especially when you don't know what your roster is going to look like day to day. I mean, I'm, you look at the the five guys right now currently out with COVID, and I would say Chankowski is the one. He's the very easy an easy one to to get out of the, and keep out of the lineup. I right. would suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Estroza maybe to a lesser degree, but I mean Skinner, Gergerson, and Cousins ain't going nowhere. So no. I mean that that's three of the five. That's sixty percent of the guys out. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, right there. I and mean, even Hinostroza, he's played well. Like, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. it's not like he's played poorly at all. Jankowski, you know, he got signed because they were, they were running into some, ran into some, some injury issues and, you know, right. health, health issues. So they were just like, oh crap, well, we need a guy. This guy's got NHL experience to sign him. Um, and he was already in Rochester. So it just made it that much easier, but everybody else, they're, they're guys that are in their lineup. That's, you know, that's four dudes that, that are out that are normal guys in the lineup. Let me, uh. Now, those guys, again, I mean, I, I tend to agree with you. I'm pretty sure those are all going to be temporary call-ups. Uh, Alex Tuck's that different story. He's, yeah. He's here, he's here to stay, and it does seem like uh, fans, understandably so, are very excited to to see him perform with Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to be a popular player, as long as he's not yeah. a dud. You know what I mean? I think he's going to be a guy who, he's already talked about embracing Buffalo, growing up mm-hmm. around and, and stuff like that. Let me run through the lines at practice on... Monday or Tuesday? No, practice on Tuesday. Tuesday. These were the lines. They, can, they canceled on Monday. Yeah, they can. Right, they they did. They canceled on Monday. Um, this is from NHL.com. Heather Engel tweeted the lines out on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Thompson skated on a line with Tuck and, and Paterka, and then you had Russellane and centering Olafson and Asplin. Uh, Krebs was centering Akposo and Murray. By the way, Murray's played pretty well, man. Very well. Um, and then the fourth line is Eakin, Bjork, and and Hayden. Gulia was uh, on the ice, but not contact jersey. All right, so you, I mean, you look at, well, first of all, what do you, anything stand out to you with the, that line placement itself? Uh, I like the way z- these are set up because I think you can get an idea of what they want to do uh, with each of these lines. Teach me then, because I don't okay. know. <laughs> well, so you put Paterka with Tuck and Thompson. Thompson's been your best player mm-hmm. up front. Like, it, hands down, he's been your best forward. And that's not a... As opposed to previous years, saying Thompson's your best forward is not a knock on everybody else. This is actually a very good thing that he's been as good as he's been. So that's good. Uh, Tuck is a guy that you're that you're planning on being like one of those power forward, drive the net guys who's going to be you know a menace around the crease. You know, not necessarily a guy that's going to be laying the body everywhere, but he can. Uh, but he's going to be a guy that's going to be a handful around the net, so making life a pain for for defenders. Paterka is a speed guy. He's very speedy. He's very, he's got such good hands and he's got a really good shot. He's a, he's a, almost a pure offense guy at this point in his career. I mean, still needs to develop more of his defensive game a little bit. I think that's been, it's been a little bit missing at, at the Rochester level, but you know, that comes with playing in a new, in a new league and playing in North America for the first time. So uh, if he forgets to back check occasionally, you can be like, all right, man, like, Make sure you get back and help out like that. You you can correct those things on the fly and do it in practices too. So that's fine. So that's like an offensive push line. I love it. I think that's a great idea. Rutzelainen's been a guy who's, when we talked about him before, it seems like he was almost like in Granado's doghouse for whatever reason, or right, he just, yep. he always ended up being the odd man out of the lineup. Now he's centering 
Asplund, who's been another really solid forward this year, and Olafson, who needs a bit of a lift. You know, Olafson's ever since he's come back from whatever his injury was, shot hasn't been the same. He's been a little bit hesitant to take it. And when he has taken it, it's been all over the place. So there's something up there. But Rutzelainen's a guy that's a straight down the line, you know, net driving guy. He's a, you know, he's a smaller guy, but he's like a he's like a fire plug. Like you can't knock him off his feet. Like <laughs> you get him digging in around the net. He's got a really good shot. So if he get you know if he gets open in, in the slot or whatever, he can hammer it home. Uh, and Asplund does all your you know all your kind of mucking around kind of work. So, and, you know, with Asplund being that kind of guy where he's kind of not necessarily dragging those guys around, but if he can stir things up enough to make it go, that line works out pretty well. And I think in Krebs's case, putting with Opozo and Murray, you know, that was the line where that was Cousins' line. So I 100% get what they're, what they're doing there. They're like, well, you know, this line was good enough for Cousins. Krebs can do it too. Um, Opozo's been really good this year. Uh, he's been really solid. And Brett Murray's been... You know, listen, there were zero expectations of what he was going to do. You know, there is, he's a guy who came up with very little hype. You know, they, from when they drafted him and then, you know, when it came time to sign him, they didn't run to sign him right away. They were just kind of like, well, all right, whatever, man. Just can hang out in Rochester and skate a little bit, I guess. But, you know, it took them a while to finally sign him. And now he's, he's now a fixture in the lineup. So that's, it's really good for him and his size is good. Gets around in front of the net, he can deflect pucks and stuff like that. So that's that's a nice, steady veteran group for Krebs to get in there with, and I, I it takes the pressure off of him too because mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily have to you know step on the gas and go. So uh, so to me that I get what those lines are about. I think Paterka is the one that surprises me because he's automatically on the top line, and is he keeping Skinner's seat warm? For a game or two, or do you think it could be yeah. more shelf lean, or should we not maybe look so much into the, the lines for one? I game? think I think that's kind of what the thought is, um, because you're 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 essentially saying you know Skinner does a lot of this stuff. Paterka is not the he's not the same player. Obviously, he's he's a different player, but it's the same brand of player. You know, Skinner's defense is not that great. Mm-hmm. You know, Paterka is a little bit Paterka's faster. He's probably not as agile. Hardly anybody's as agile as Skinner is, but but Paterka is quick. So there's that, and he's got the offensive creativity the way Skinner does. So I think every sub-in, sub-out thing makes sense. Except, well, I guess because of injuries, I was going to say the line with Asplund, Olafson with Mussolini in center, and I'm trying to figure out like who's keeping whose seat warm, assuming, and I completely agreed with you about these guys are kind of getting a reward and just coming up because they need to right now. But you, t- you put Skinner in for Paterka, and you put... Uh, but causes back in for Krebs on that mm-hmm. line, which has played well, like you said. I just don't. Where's that second line center? Yeah, I mean, you no, know, it's now. I hate that Casey Middlestad's hurt, man. That yeah, sucks. Mm-hmm. That's. I mean, that's been the big letdown this year. Is that he's had you know whatever's happened with him. You know, I've heard stories of like what may or may not have happened. Like whatever, it, it's not worth getting into. Because I I don't need to necessarily stir up stir up stuff if there's nothing to stir up but right um but it's frustrating to see how it played out and that this was going to be a big year for him opportunity wise because that that's supposed to be his line that's you know that's supposed to be the group that he's going to be running with top six playing getting those minutes getting those opportunities playing the power play, all the stuff that you that you need him to do and he just he can't just isn't able to you know he's hurt he had surgery like it just sucks it just sucks for him and it it, it really stinks. Um, but as far as that, that second line, I'm, I'm, I know there's some, like Gergen says, I know has played some center. 
He's not your second line center guy though. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm forgetting somebody that was like slid over or, or what have you. And I know I'm probably blanking out. <laughs> I don't think you are. I, I think, you know, I think Jankowski was, was kind of getting some of those yeah, center minutes a, yeah. a little bit like, cause I guess cousins would be that's that second line type guy. Um, it feels to sometimes, me, but the, the fact that we're going through this and kind of like uncertain of what might do, mm-hmm. this might lend a, a little bit of credibility that if for whatever reason, whether it's two, three games, if he gets mm-hmm. a crack, if Krebs comes out and looks really good, maybe he don't go back down. Yeah. He probably will. And he probably shouldn't. I agree with you. I don't mm-hmm. think he should be up for the remainder of the season either. But, but I, I think if there's somebody who could, of anybody of the young group of the young guys, he's the one where they could be like, all right, well, he's gotten, he's gotten enough play where we can do it because he is the same draft year as cousins. So when you look at it development wise, they're on the same, at least at the same plane, as far as that goes, I, you know, Krebs had a, he had like an ACL injury, you know, his draft year. So like there was that, uh, which kind of slowed things down that first year. So he's, he might be a little bit behind, um, but the talent level is still, you know, that you're, you're talking like same level of, of kind of player there because the, the centers in that draft were all kind of in that same area. Like Kirby doc went what third to Chicago, third or fourth to Chicago. And it could have been cousins at that spot. You know, Trevor Zegers went to Anaheim. It could have been cousins in that spot or Krebs in that spot. Like all these guys were, you know, you know, Zegers has had is blown up for Anaheim this year. He's been incredible. Cousins is having a really good year. Just doesn't have all the points with it because he's kind of carrying around a couple of uh, sandbags with, <laughs> with him on the, on the, on the line. So, if you want to, if Krebs earns his way into that spot, I think you can be okay with it. But I think the idea is that they want him to have him grow with Paterka and Quinn so that they can have like a, an instant chemistry kind of thing, or at least have three guys that can work off each other that when they're at the next level, they're good to go. Plus, you know, Krebs is coming into a new team, new system, the whole thing. Like you, you, you know, you, you want to kind of get them acclimated first, but, but yeah, if anybody can make the case to stay up, it's him. Let me tell you what I don't want to happen. I don't want Peyton Krebs to come up, stay up, especially because he was, again, such a focal point of a Jack Eichel trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not want him to come up, stay up, and end up playing on lines with guys like Bjork and Eakin mm-hmm. and Hayden because he's doomed to not put up good numbers if that happens. Yeah. And you know how impatient fans are, mm-hmm. and they're going to start second-guessing the trade, and I just don't have the mental energy <laughs> to hear people calling the guy a boss, and then he fucking sucks, and mm-hmm. yada, yada. So I agree 100%, I, man. If he's not going to have a – first of all, he's got to earn a prominent role, but once he does that mm-hmm. in Rochester, I'm talking about or if he plays really good up here, mm-hmm. I want him skating with guys like Quinn and Baturka or Tuck or, yeah. or Olofsson, you know, Thompson, guys who can put the fuck in the net. I don't want to see him on a bottom line and then us wondering why, you know, come later in the season, he's got three points in 18 games and yeah. fans are losing their shit already over that. So that's the one thing I hope uh, doesn't happen. A couple other quick notes with the Sabres. Dustin Tokarski's back coming mm-hmm. off COVID. Now he had COVID pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, he was not asymptomatic. He was very symptomatic. Mm-hmm. Um, he missed like ma- three weeks. Yeah, he's making his way back slowly. He, he rejoined mm-hmm. the Sabres now. What do you anticipate once he does get up to speed? Now, again, this might be an unfair question because of lack of change, but mm-hmm. assuming that he gets up to speed and UPL plays like he's currently playing and Subban plays like he's currently playing, how do you, how do you expect this to shake out? I think 
right now you leave it that way because you put Subban or Tokarski on your taxi, taxi squad. squad. I think that's I think that's the move that you make because UPL has played so well and you want them to get games. So if you're keeping them up, you got to play them. Like you're not having them back up to Karski. Like you're just not doing that. Right. But what you can do is you can send UPL back to Rochester, you know, with a full firm understanding, like, dude, you played great. This is not a punishment. This is just, we need to get you more games, period. Like flat out, this is just what we need to do. Um, and then you sign Michael Hauser to some deal, have him ready to be your taxi squad guy because they're, you know, they're going to need a third goalie no matter what. And, uh, Aaron Dell can't be the taxi squad goalie. He's played too much. He's, he's, he's been up already too much at the NHL level, which is wild and unto itself. But, um, so like you're limited as to who can be your taxi squad goalie at that point, because you know, it can't be UPL cause he's on his, he's on his ELC. So it can't be him. Right. Um, so it's either gotta be Subban Tukarski, or if they sign Michael Hauser, who's on, who's on an AHL deal in Rochester, Rochester, Cincinnati, you sign him, he can be your taxi squad guy. So it's either it's it's got to be him or one of the other two guys that they have. And I don't know, like that's like makes sense. You're 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 caught. You're kind of caught because if you're keeping UPL at in the NHL level, he has to play every game or as many you know as many games as possible. You know, like obviously he's not going to play both games of a back to back. Like you're not going to do that, but like he's your starter more often than not. Like you could, that, that's the only way he can stay up because if you're having him sit out and, you know, playing one out every five games, that's doing him no good. And it's doing the team no good. And it's, it's, it's making everything worse for everybody else because, because, you know, it's, it's bad in Rochester because then you got Dell and you got Hauser as your goalies there, which we know about Aaron Dell, you know, Hauser, you know, Hauser was a great story last year. He's fine. He's a perfectly serviceable guy, but like, if you're not getting UPL those minutes in those games, it serves him no good. It serves the team no good because he's not getting he's not getting those minutes that he needs to play. One other quick note here to kind of wrap up the Sabers. Owen Power had a hat trick for Canada in, mm-hmm. the, in the World Juniors. You look at that and the top overall pick, and people are excited about him. And you got Alice Tuck debuting, mm-hmm. and you got Paterka up and, and Krebs up for who knows how long. Quinn eventually is going to be here. And you you got the guys like Cousins who, who who's playing well. Tage Thompson mm-hmm. is playing very well. UPLs look promising. There's a lot. I I truly feel this way, and I think they had more talent in previous years for sure. Mm-hmm. Jack Eichel's a tremendous talent. Mm-hmm. Sam Reinhardt is a tremendous talent. Master Switzerland is a, a tremendous talent. They've had talent on this team, mm-hmm. but this is it. Feels like this is a great time to really truly be excited about this hockey team. If you approach it the right way, like you said, it's not about so much getting W's right now. It's about mm-hmm. how they're playing, how they're developing, and how they're looking on the ice. You add all that up. Plus, by the way, I mean, no small matter, the Sabres currently have three first-round picks, too. Yeah. So maybe they move up. They, there's lots of things they could do with that pick. Maybe mm-hmm. they go after a veteran player with some of that draft capital. There's a lot of things they could do. Mm-hmm. This truly feels like, again, for the first time, and we've talked about this before, but now that these guys are starting to come up and Tuck is debuting, it's starting to come to fruition a little bit. Like, if you're a Sabres fan right now, there it's it's okay to be optimistic. I know we've got to burn a lot in the past, mm. but it's okay to be optimistic right now, right? Yeah, I I think it's okay. It's okay to 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 be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, you know, you you can allow yourself some some positivity in in how some things are going. You know, if you're hanging it all on them 
getting wins this year, you're going to be disappointed because it's just it's just not going to be it's it's not going to be there. They, they, there's going to be wins like it, but it, they're not going to be a playoff team. Like it's just it. That's not the plan, and it, tanking's not the plan. Like neither of those things are the plan. You want these guys to grow in a situation where they're getting their minutes, they're getting their situations, they're getting their games, and they're getting to play well. They're getting to learn on the fly. They're getting to you know to develop at the NHL level when they are able to do that. You don't want 18 year olds doing that all the time, which is how past teams have gotten in big trouble. You know, you start thinking of the guys that have come through at 18. They've been thrown right into the NHL and they've faded out, or they've become very average NHLers. You know, I think of like Joel Armia. You know, he was their first pick in 2011, and he got to play one game in Buffalo, and you know they kind of petered around with him, and then he ended up getting moved. Now he's a pretty solid fourth line guy in Montreal. That's good. Nikita Zadorov got thrown right into the fire. Play 20 minutes a night on defense behind Ristolainen, uh, and go crazy. And he was not mature enough to be in the NHL yet. You know, Mikhail Grigorenko, they dicked around with his development so many times his first two years that they just they ruined it from the start. So doing things like that in the past, you don't want that stuff happening now. There's right now it appears they have a plan. And like, you know, in with other GMs, you got an idea of a plan, but you couldn't formulate it just on appearances. You couldn't say, like, oh, this is what they're doing. I get it. This is how it's going to go. With this group, I can tell what they're trying to do because they they you know they, they haven't hidden that they haven't hidden what they want to do. They've said from the get-go, we want to develop guys. We want to get you know richer through the system. We want to develop more players. Okay. Lots of other guys have said that before. It never came through. Now we're kind of seeing it now because they, you know, the, you've got the developmental type coaches. Granado's a development type coach. Seth Appert's a development type coach. Uh, and you've got these guys that are that are coming through, and you've got guys that are, you know, playing very well in college. You know, I mean, Owen Powers dynamite like it's easy to get excited about him like there's no reason to not be excited about him but you know it's him it's ryan johnson it's devin levi at at northeastern like these are guys that are all performing really well at the college level and it's okay to be excited about them because they are doing well and in the case of power and johnson they're probably both signing after this season devin levi whatever let him cook in northeastern fine you know let him play another year or two and then bring him up eric portillo at michigan same thing like Portillo, Power, and Johnson, you're probably bringing them all in after this season. Like that's, I mean, that's my guess, but um, maybe, I mean, Portillo, there's kind of a time crunch there because if he goes one more year at Michigan, then it, you get in that, you know, that Cal Peterson worry, yeah. worry area where maybe he doesn't sign in Buffalo, maybe he goes elsewhere. Like, you know, you get a little bit stressed about that, but, um, but things are in a good place. And, you know, some of the guys that they got playing in junior hockey right now that they drafted just this past year, playing really well and they got four guys at the world juniors so there's a reason to be okay with things like i'm not saying like be like it's coming you know oh cup's coming in five years we're gonna get it no 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 no. let's get to the playoffs first like just you know knock things off the list beforehand you know compete for the playoffs make the playoffs first but there's at least a there's a light there's a lot they've been in a long dark tunnel for a long time now you're getting a glimpse of some light and i think that i think it's a real light not another train coming at you i really hate to compare the bills and the sabers because well first of all they're two different teams and the bills it all started with getting one player you know josh mm-hmm. allen and everything changed but you kind of felt the culture shift when, when mcdermott came up and yeah. they made the playoffs literally in his first year you knew they were going to take a step back but you felt at that time that things were going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to feel that way about the Sabres. And I, I almost laughed when you were talking, not because of what you were saying, what mm-hmm. you were saying made perfect sense. 
It's because your ass is like, you really are like an encyclopedia of hockey knowledge. And I'm laughing because, so I'm looking in again, we're doing this in person here in my home studio and I got my desk in front of me and I got some notes and I got Twitter open and I got a website for reference so I don't fuck up when I'm talking about something. Mm -hmm. And then I look over at Joe and his podcast table consists of um, his skull cap on, on the table and a Bud Light. Yeah. That's your... And that, my, those my are phone's off, so yeah. And your phone's off. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. It really is. Before we get out of here quickly, um, we're going to spend a lot of time on tomorrow's episode. In fact, most of the episode talking Buffalo Bills and then we'll do our starting five draft mm-hmm. stuff. But I do want to play a clip. Now, if you're on Twitter, I'm sure you've heard it a million times. It's went viral. It's been spreading around. But if you're not on Twitter and you, and you happen to be hearing this, I want to get your reaction mm-hmm. after you play this clip. This was after the Bills beat New England. And for everyone who thinks Buffalo fans are overreactors, and we are. We are. I am. I'm a knee-jerk reactor. I, say, <laughs> I admit that all the time. But if you think we're the only ones who are like that, I want you to listen to this clip. The accent, the uh, the overreaction, everything. Then we'll come back. I want to get a final thought from Joe on this. Here it is. Are you serious with this? You think the Patriots need a new what? Listen. The Patriots, the, the, the rookie wall, there's no such thing as a rookie wall with this kid. He's got a rag arm. He couldn't throw in that windstorm. The other guy threw the ball all over the park. And then yesterday proved it. Receivers, no receivers. Skill players, no skill receivers. The kid playing quarterback ain't our future. The future of the NFL is over in Buffalo. That guy, six foot four, 230, runs right by you, throws it 90 yards. And the other thing I want to say is Belichick hasn't won butt kiss without Tom Brady. So to, to be overinflated on this Bill Belichick, great defense, let's run the ball. Yeah, Bill Parcells did that back in the 80s. So that, is that where we're going here with this team? Come on, it's over. AFC goes through Buffalo for 20 years, not us. It's over. Wow. Wow, Bobby, bringing the high heat. <laughs> the park, all over the park, 20 years. It's yeah. over, Joe, for the next 20 years. The Patriots are done for the next 20 years. Your thoughts? I was I was waiting to hear a complaint about the refs in that clip, in that clip too, because <laughs> I, was, I was gathering some some Pats fans were a little bit annoyed about that. But, you know, I, I mean, the, the accents take me back to my first couple of years in college in Massachusetts, where there's, you know, half half of everybody I talk to talks like that. I, I, I can't even do that accent without sounding like some kind of, total moron like, me it's, neither it's, it's impossible to do like uh, you can't you got to be in a mindset i probably have to be about nine beers deep to do a proper boston <laughs> accent but that's you know that that's some real fatalistic stuff from fans who have had seven eight super bowls <laughs> super bowl wins you know in the last 20 years some real spoiled Oh, yeah. real spoiled, no one's feeling spots. No shit, one's feeling man. sorry for these motherfuckers. Well, there's like some uh, my a good buddy of mine from col- the same college I went to. He's huge Pats fan. He came out here for the game in Buffalo. Um, you know, was living it up. Had you know, was in his glory after the Pats won that game, and he was at the game in Foxborough. He's you know, him and his family season tickets. They've had him for like 50 years or something, and you know, he's mortified by how they how they played, and he just. You know, completely down in the mouth, and it's like I know. Hey, for good reason. If they win the game, they win the division. Like simple as that. Like if the Pats win that game, they win the division. That's you know, game over. Um, but they didn't, and now they're not going to win the division unless some really weird shit happens the next two weeks. But um, but to be that fatalistic about things, just be like, that's it. It's over. 
it's it's going through Buffalo next twenty years <laughs> like that. I, I mean, it's great. Buffalo fans want to hear that. Like it that's, was fun to listen to. I'm not gonna lie. That's that's a good reason to smile and smile forever about that. But is the equivalent when we lost to Tampa that weekend? I had tweeted some criticism to Brandon Bean because you looked at the inactive list mm-hmm. and Cody Ford, a second round pick, inactive. Uh, Zach Moss, Bo- Boogie Basham, inactive. He was a second round pick. Zach Moss. Mm-hmm. You know, AJ Benes is barely even playing. He's a second round pick. So there was a. It's fair to criticize Brandon Bean for oh, some yeah. of these early draft picks. People after that Tampa game were saying that Brandon Bean should be fired. I'm like, that's, uh, that's a little much. Yeah, that's a, that's that's more than a little much, man. Yeah. That's absolutely uh, ridiculous. It is nice to see the uh, the shoe on the other foot, though. And look, the Bills have lost to the Patriots for years and years and years. So mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie; it's nice to let them feel it, even just a yeah. little bit. And you know what? Like my my same buddy there like retweeted a story. I think it was today where it was like some kind of poll of football fans to see who's like the most down about their team. And Patriots were the number one team. I was like, was this poll taken entirely in Boston? Like, <laughs> you know, how are, how are the Patriots the most depressed fans in the NFL? Like, bro, <laughs> look at my goddamn football team. I don't need, I don't want to hear shit from New England. Like that, get away from me with that kind of talk. <laughs> like, I just, I never need to hear that. But like, you don't, you don't, you don't have the right to get, sad about the Patriots. No. Like, you know, even like if even if you want to go by the old dumb Bill Simmons thing, like the five year grace period after you win a title, like still within that five years, like you you are not allowed. And plus when you win eight titles in twenty years, you don't get the bitch for the next fifty years as far as I'm concerned. Well the funniest thing is and we're gonna get out of here now, but Joe, the funniest thing is okay, they lost to the Bills. They're not probably not gonna win the division. They're still probably going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They're not done. No. They're a good football team. Right. They had a bag. Look, we've seen it all year. Now, don't get me wrong. The Buffalo Bills are an elite football team or one of the best teams in the league. I don't mm-hmm. want maybe elite to push it in a little bit, but it's not like Jacksonville came in and beat them. Right. They lost to a very good team, but New England's a good team. They're a very good team, and they're still very much in the mix to come out of the AFC. So the sky's not as much as I wish yeah. it was. I'm not ready to say the sky's falling. I wouldn't be doing cartwheels mm-hmm. if the Bills play them again in the playoffs, right? which could happen. In fact, could. I'll tell you what, kind of a lead-in until tomorrow's show. So, again, tomorrow we're going to spend a lot of time. Last episode of 2021 tomorrow, we'll spend a lot of time talking Bills, some scenarios. Not really so much going over that game. But there's some talking points from that game. So we'll talk about that. We're going to do our starting five Van Halen songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to kind of, we're going to take a little bit of a, a trip down 2021 memory lane with starting five drafts. How about how you've had much success? Be a misery road for you. Misery road for me. So anyway, we will be back. Thank you so much for listening. And a brand new episode, one more episode coming 2021.